Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Cardavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. Today is episode 31, and our special guest is Beth Armconnect Miller, and the title is How's Your Pipeline? Strategies for Growing Your Team's Leadership. Are your team members growing in their leadership? Do you have an intentional development path for your future leaders? Are you clear on the core competencies that your team members need in order to lead? Our special guest, Beth Armconnect Miller, answers these questions and many others as we explore the path to building a leadership development pipeline in your organization. Beth is a leadership development advisor and executive coach, a former longtime Vistage chair, and she helps leaders and organizations grow their talent and their outcomes. She's going to be sharing some of her unique insights on being intentional in building a leadership development pipeline. And most important, she's going to give you insights and strategies to help you grow your leaders and your business. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. I am thrilled to be back in studio today with my partner, Craig Matthews, and our special guest, Beth Armconnect Miller from Atlanta, Georgia. Beth has got such a really interesting story. Just her background is so interesting. Today, she's a leadership development advisor and executive coach. Um, and I love this. When I saw her website, she talks about helping companies and clients work with their most valuable asset, which is their people. Because Craig and I and Cartavera are all about putting people first. Mm, and there's so often these companies talk a great talk, but they don't actually treat their people like that valuable asset. So I love where Beth's coming from on that. She's a former Vistage chair, long time. She had a long consulting career. And then she was CEO and chairperson of an organization she founded called MANA, M-A-N-A, which was a, tech pro- a technology project management consulting firm that was also on the Inc. 500 fastest growing company. So Beth has been in the seat and that's what I love. She, you know, she's a coach and advisor now, but she's also been in the seat. She's been the consultant. She's been inside and out. So she brings that unique perspective. And the phrase I loved on her website was a question to her audience of, are you talent obsessed? I love that. I've never seen that before. I was like, yeah, <laughs> now are we obsessed? So Welcome, Beth. We're excited to have you here on the Impact Leadership Podcast. Yeah, well, thank you, Jeff and Craig. I've, mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to this. And are you talent obsessed? <laughs> yes, absolutely we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm leadership obsessed. I'm a yeah. lot of things obsessed. But that's, that's one of the big ones. Yeah. So, Beth, we always start off our interviews with a single question, which is, can you give us a little bit about the Beth story? Yeah, so um, you you gave um, Jeff a, a good high level uh, view of my journey, hmm. but it um, most recently has has been helping small businesses with their leadership, and specifically, you know, building pipelines of leadership. Hmm. 
so that um, there is no risk of somebody leaving and you don't have somebody to, to fill that position. So it's having the right people in the right seats at the right time doing the right things. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Yeah. So, but my, my journey, I, um, I actually started in finance, um, got, got a degree in, in finance back many years ago, worked for a Fortune 500 company that, um, Digital Equipment Corporation, that mm -hmm. is no longer around. Um, the, the remnants is, is uh, I think, part of Hewlett Packard now. Well, the CEO um, said that, you know, people who would use a computer at home, right? Yes. Good old, good old Ken Olson. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why would looks anybody good, but... need a computer? Yes, exactly. <laughs> now we carry them around with us. Um, <laughs> but uh, had a great experience there. Um, but one of, one of my early lessons was that um, although I was good at something, I wasn't passionate, passionate mm. for it. Um, Finance was not something that really excited me, even though I was good at it. So fortunately, I was able to, to take on um, a role in sales. They were training in internal individuals that's a big um, switch. to move out of overhead positions. Wow. And so that's how I got to Atlanta, Georgia. I started up in the Northeast and um, made my way to, to Atlanta. Hmm. Um, fast forward. Um, the next kind of lesson for me was that I loved digital. Uh, <laughs> it was a great company, but people don't leave companies. They leave managers. Yep. And I had a manager down here in Atlanta who was just awful. Hmm. And um, I did, and I wanted to stay in Atlanta and there were just weren't that many opportunities um, here in Atlanta to, to do a transfer. So um, my, my choice was to leave. So I left and um, took a position with a, a um, technology, um, it was a contract programming firm at the time. So it was temporary programmers. Another lesson was uh, culture fit. Mm. Bad, oh, yes. bad culture fit. Um, oh, no. Yeah. So I, um, I moved on to Coopers and Librand and um, great experience working for, um, at, at the time it was the big six, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, now it's the final four, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, had a great experience, learned how to, how to um, politically maneuver through a, a large partnership mm. and, and sell um, large consulting projects. Um, during that time, my husband was, uh, had a, a accounting temporary services firm and he was the entrepreneur, not me. And mm -hmm. he was the one that convinced me to leave and start a, um, consulting practice. So what happened was we ended up selling the accounting off in, oh gosh, it was probably 95 ish mm -hmm. and focused on just the consulting side. So it was, it was project management consulting work in technology. Um, we, we grew it, um, Inc. 500, sold it in 02, and we took some time off. Um, I couldn't do enough volunteer work. <laughs> it just, just wasn't working for me. I, I, I still volunteer, but um, it, wasn't, it wasn't nurturing me. 
Um, I, I'm a lifelong learner. Yeah. And so I found Vistage, CEO membership organization for small businesses. And I really found my passion uh, working with, with uh, entrepreneurs and um, second generation leaders mm-hmm. who uh, were, were focused on, you know, growing their, their businesses. So I did um, work for Vistage for 13 years, facilitating their meetings and um, coaching the, the members. That's a great organization. Yeah. Yeah. And, and along that period of time, I, I was also, I also set up executive velocity. So I started mm-hmm. acquiring more clients um, specifically around coaching and uh, training new, new managers um, mm-hmm. that clients wanted to grow um, and they didn't want to put them into a position that they weren't prepared for. Mm. Many of them had learned their lesson. They had, <laughs> had elevated somebody to a high performer, mm-hmm. um, yep. but that person was not a high potential. And I often was called in to coach those individuals <laughs> because there were, there were gaps. Yeah. And, um, and that's what led me to my interest and in, in desire to help businesses with their leadership pipelines and succession planning Yeah, because I of those that. mistakes. Excellent. So, so Beth, I'm really curious. You touched on something Craig and I have talked a lot about on different episodes and in private conversations. You talked about companies, they promote their high performer, mm-hmm. but they're not high potential. And yet, what I heard you say is you're coming into those situations to close gaps. So I'm curious, I saw on your website, you've done a lot, you have a lot of data, but what have you found in terms of those people do, can the high potential people get there? Can they become high potential if they're high performing most of the time, rarely? What do you find yeah. in that? High, high performers, um, there's, there's research that says one, only one out of seven high performers have the traits of a high potential. Wow. Okay. Now, some of those things can be learned, but there, there are others that, that, you know, that kind of motivation and drive that, that is part of what a, a high potential makeup is mm-hmm. uh, that you, you really can't teach. <laughs> right? It's, it's either you have it or you don't. Right. Um, there's... The things that you look for in a high potential is, is first that aspiration, the, the desire that, gosh, you know, I want to get to that next level. I want to take on more responsibility. Mm-hmm. Well, then it's what, are, what behaviors do you see that align with that, mm-hmm. such as they, they um, take initiative and, and look for opportunities to do things right. outside of the, their normal responsibilities, um, that, that they have a high level of energy and that they like to, to do multiple things. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the things that you need to look for before you decide to put somebody in um, what I call in a high potential program. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's Beth- you know, taking initiative, um, emotional intelligence. Now, the emotional mm-hmm. intelligence is something you can learn. It's yep. not fixed. So that's something that I oftentimes will work with, with um, high performers on mm-hmm. to help them 
fill some gaps that will allow them to take on that, that next, next role. Gotcha. So I guess a couple of questions here before we get into sort of the, I want to eventually get to having you talk about what a pipeline looks like, but it sounds like you're sometimes brought in to help close the gap of some of these people who were not necessarily high potential, mm -hmm. but ideally I'm guessing with the pipeline, the goal is to have these people developed so that they have those, they're at that level before they're elevated. Is that correct? That's your exactly. goal. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and again, my, you know, I work mostly with small, mid-sized companies, upwards of three to 400 employees. And um, those companies generally, you know, they have, they have an HR department mm -hmm. that is generally tactical. You mm -hmm. know, they're, they're involved with recruiting and, you know, benefits and uh, performance evaluations, but they're, they're not looking at talent from a, a strategic standpoint. Right. Which is such and, a shame. Yeah. So succession planning helps to, to bring forward uh, talent as a strategic advantage. Mm -hmm. And it's integrated with your business plan. Yeah. So succession planning should be a portion of your business plan. Ideally. Makes total sense. Yeah. But, but, and the reason they call me in is because they don't have anybody who helps them stay accountable to the process. Mm. You, you know, you've, you create a plan, but then you've got to work the plan. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so there's all sorts of gaps that, that I find. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm in the process of writing a book on succession planning for small mm -hmm. businesses. And this morning I, I was writing about um, career conversations and the fact that most small businesses, if they have a career conversation, it's not consistent. Right. I, and that's the thing I see a lot in small businesses is there are pockets of brilliance. <laughs> um, within, you know, certain departments, certain managers have some really good best practices, yep. but it remains there. And so there's inconsistency across the organization as it relates to, to talent management. Yep. And, and that, those inconsistencies can cause a perception of inequity with, mm. with employees. If, yep. If there are, you know, if there's one manager who's really good at identifying potential and developing his or her employees, while there's another manager who, who is not adept at that, yeah. then, then employees are going to start feeling like there's favorites. Right. That's a good point. Do you ever find as you're working with some of the people, maybe the, the um, high performers, may not be able to reach that, that position that they want because maybe they've reached the Peter principle. They've you know, achieved their level of incompetence. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's where the, the conversations are really important. Um, not just only the career conversation, but the development conversations mm -hmm. that managers have. Um, when, when you identify high potentials, you want to set expectations with them that, you know, we're willing to invest in you. Right. Right. But you, you need to do the heavy lifting. Yeah. It's like when, when I go in and, and coach somebody, you know, that's the first thing I'll tell them. I'm like, you know, I am, I'm the Sherpa here. 
But, <laughs> but you know, you're, you're the one that's really going to have to get to the summit. Right. Right. Um, I'm, I'm the one that's going to ask the questions and get you to self-reflect and challenge your self-limiting beliefs. Right. But, but it's going to be, the hard work is yours. So, you know, getting back to, you know, development plans, um, that, that high potential needs to know the expectations mm-hmm. from, from uh, their leader and from their, their company and understand in doing that development, what can I expect? Well, there's no promises, mm-hmm. right? Because, you right. know, something could happen. Um, an individual that maybe had decided to retire, um, COVID hit and, dis- and he, he or she decided, you know what, I probably should stay working for the next couple of years. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so then, then it's a matter of getting creative about enriching the, the job that the individual has mm-hmm. so that there's, there's more opportunities to develop within the job. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say from what it sounds like, those are the types of companies that are hiring you are the ones that are more forward looking as far as understanding the value of people beyond just the job that they're in. And right. as, as Jeff and I talk about it, we believe that people bring their whole selves to work, that they don't just bring their worker selves to work. Mm-hmm. And that as we develop the whole person, we actually get a much richer in conversation but we right. also get more stuff done as well. Yeah. Um, you know, those career conversations, actually, if they're done well and consistently, mm-hmm. will increase engagement and yes. retention of employees. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because they're, you're, you're demonstrating that you care about them as an individual. But you have to follow it up. I don't think it's just a matter of having the conversation. You actually right. have to say, here's an opportunity. Let's right. see how you do with this project. Right. Exactly. Or here's some training for you to help Mm -hmm. you grow into that area. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's interesting, Beth. I'm curious. My experience has been that because you talked about succession planning around developing your leaders needs to be part of the business plan. And what I see is that companies, first of all, only a small percentage of companies even have an ownership succession plan. Right. And if they do, they think that's the succession plan exactly. they want. Oh, we've got that, or we sort of have that, but they don't often. It's pretty rare that they actually invest in time and money and energy and focus. Okay. And let's develop our people and create that, what you call the pipeline. Right. I would think that's pretty rare even today. Um, I think it's becoming more prevalent. Um, I think part of it is the millennials are demanding it. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah, they, you know, they want to grow and learn. Yeah. And so I think there's, there's more of a spotlight on it, um, on development than there was um, 10 years ago. Hmm. So I, I see more of it in, you know, the smaller tech companies. Um, they they, they want to make sure that they're investing in their people, mm-hmm. um, especially since, you know, talent in those areas are, sh- are short. Yeah. That, they want to they make sure that they retain those, those employees that, um, that they have. So. What I think it's fascinating to me, I think some people see it, but a lot don't. In most organizations still today, the only people who are, have a plan are the people who are failing. 
Yes. <laughs> HR, we're, yes. you're going to get a plan if you're right. failing. Exactly. Isn't that and nuts? It's so nuts. And crazy. I've told companies, I said, everybody needs to have a plan. Right. And I said, what are they called? And they said, well, it's a PDP. What's that? It's a personal development plan. Right. Yeah. Well, doesn't everybody need one of those? They said, yeah. oh, no, those are bad. I said, no, it's a personal development plan. Right. Everybody needs to be growing, not just trying to fix the people yeah. who are coming up short. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and, and that oftentimes happens with coaching as well. There are, there are times when I'm called in to fix somebody. <laughs> it's, it's like the last, the last straw. They've, you know, they've done everything they could. And, and so it's like, okay, let's call Beth in to fix this person. <laughs> and, and the fact of the matter is, if, if, if the company has a culture of using coaching just to fix people, yeah. then it becomes uh, like the, the mark, the bad mark for that person. Because <laughs> when they bring me in, it's, let's fix this person. <laughs> And, and then it's, okay, everybody else knows that Joe's getting fixed. Well, gee, is Joe going to be around in six months? Let me ask you, Beth, is it, is it when you get into that situation of fixing Joe, is Joe usually a person that is a misfit in the culture? Is he a misfit to the role, misfit to the manager, or just doesn't understand his job? Oftentimes, it's, um, it comes down to emotional intelligence. Oh, okay. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with emotional intelligence. And so um, I, I will work specifically in, the, in that area. Mm -hmm. But I will say that um, I'm real careful to take those on those types of clients. I want to make sure that um, there are other coaching opportunities within the organization that are developmental, mm, yeah. not fixable. Um, be <laughs> because if that's the only reason they bring coaches in is to, to fix the broken person, then it's, it's not going to be helpful. Yeah. Not helpful to the company. It's not helpful to that individual. Yeah. So, um, so I, I spend a lot of time with, with new clients on, on talking and getting to understand their culture mm. first um, before I would take on that type of um, situation. Gotcha. Yeah. So Beth, let me ask you kind of a micro question that mm -hmm. came up as you were describing that some of the, one of the gaps, the key gaps is you talked about that energy and motivation and you used the word energy a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And I also know that you do a lot with assessments and you, you've got actually some certifications, things I'm not familiar with, but I know one of those is Myers-Briggs. Mm -hmm. So somewhere here in the assessment is the extrovert introvert yes. label. And I'm, I'm not d dismissing it, but a lot of times that in my experience, the extrovert is seen as high energy. The introverts are seen as low energy mm. and thus seen as less leader-like. So can you speak to that? Because I know a lot of people who want yeah. to be in leadership struggle saying, hey, I'm an introvert, so right. I can't leave. Well, I would say, number one, there are some really great leaders who are, are introverts Absolutely. that I've met over the yep. years. Um, 
I think one of the reasons that they are is because they're good listeners. Mm. And listening is an underrated leadership skill. <laughs> it's one of our top ones. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so as it relates to energy, you know, I, um, yeah, I'm certified in Myers-Briggs, but the, the assessment that I use quite frequently because it's validated for hiring and Myers-Briggs isn't mm-hmm. is um, business DNA. And okay. um, it, it digs into um, outgoing versus um, introverted, but, but it also um, digs into things like being fast paced. So, you know, there are, there are a lot of people that are fast paced, but introverted. And mm-hmm. that's, and you'd see that. Uh, it would also dig into things like um, being planned versus spontaneous. Um, goal orientation, mm-hmm. clearly one that's important when you're looking at like salespeople. Mm-hmm. Um, you, want, you want somebody that's really determined to drive through and um, very competitive uh, and goal oriented. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at that assessment. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one either. Well, actually, um, on my website, if you go to the resources page, mm-hmm. you ha- you'll have to give, you, give your first and last name and email. But <laughs> at the very top, there is a, a resource. It's a link to business DNA. Okay. And you can, you can take, take the assessment and you'll get the, the summary. Oh, summary okay. Report. Fantastic. So it'll give you an idea. It's, it'll take you 15 minutes. Okay. It's 40 questions, forced choice. Um, not, it's highly accurate uh, okay. because it's not, the questions are not um, around a situation. Mm-hmm. Given four descriptors, least like, most like is what okay. you choose. Yeah. Great. I'll, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Beth, you've used this phrase a number of times, pipeline. So talk to us and share with everybody, what is it, you know, give us some sense of what's a pipeline look like. It certainly sounds very intentional, mm-hmm. but what is a pipeline and what's the, what's a company need to think about when they think about creating a pipeline of succession and leadership? Well, um, ideally a pipeline provides you with individuals that are ready to go into the next position. Mm that are key positions within the organization. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you need to do as a company is to identify what are those key positions, not people, but positions, and then identify potentials to fill those positions Mm -hmm. should the, the individual that is currently in that position leave, die, get you know, disabled, whatever. Uh, so it's first looking at, okay, where are the critical positions? And that, that could mean, it could be a single contributor somewhere mm-hmm. that holds the keys to, you know, the computer program that, yep. that makes your company run, right? So, okay, so how do you make sure that you've, you've got a succession plan for somebody to fill that position, should that person leave? Yeah. Right. Um, and 
the performers, the high performers are generally the ones that are, are considered the high potentials, <laughs> which we've, we've talked about that, that that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. And there are performers that may not be high performers, but they may have high potential. Yeah. Yep. They, might, they might be that, that individual that's in the wrong seat. Yeah. And how do you shift them to, to a seat that will allow them to rise to their, their full potential? Now, that's interesting because I, I guess one of the things that I would be looking for as somebody in that leadership pipeline is people who actually want to take care of people, not yes. just people who are just focused on the task at hand, but they actually want to be there and lead people. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I have had conversations many times with business owners who have, have elevated uh, subject matter experts <laughs> into right. a leadership position. Yeah. And, and then I start having this conversation with, with this, this leader and they have no, no clue as to what leadership is. Wow. And they, and they, sh- and they shouldn't be there. I mean, right. leaders, leaders are individuals who develop future leaders. That's right. my definition of, of leadership. That's a, that's a really good definition. I like that. Yep. So, you know, the, the salesperson who is killer salesperson, but then is elevated to a, a role of, of a leadership position. And then all of a sudden the, the business owner is upset because Sales aren't, aren't going the way that they should. Well, then, I, then the question is, well, how did she get into that position or he? Right. I'm, th- I'm thinking about a specific situation. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that's where it's really important to understand what potential is. Yeah. I, th- I also see that a lot of people that get ad- advanced, they, they become micromanagers because they know how to do their old job. Right. But they don't really step into the new job. Yes. Um, and in fact, um, in the, the book that I'm writing, one of the first things that I talk about is having career conversations with, with everybody. Yes. Everybody deserves a career conversation. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, there are a lot of subject matter experts that have no desire mm-hmm. to move into leadership because, because they would have to step away from their craft. Right. My dad was like that. He worked at IBM for 26 years. He mm-hmm. could have been way up in the management side. He said, no, I want to stay here. And he, he was one of the top design engineers. Right. Exactly. So, he didn't want to lead people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, and, then, and then there are situations where it's a, a um, could be a personal situation, like, you know, a stay at home, uh, a working mom uh-huh. that, you know, has decided, hey, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing, yeah. but I don't need the, the added responsibility of, of leading adults when I'm already trying to lead my kids or something, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartevera. Cartevera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartevera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. 
We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cardavera.com. Welcome back. So Beth, let me ask you a fine-tuned question. You were talking about creating, I'm going to call it a profile. I'm not sure if you use that word for the position. And what I've seen a lot of is that when organizations do work on so-called succession, they look at that heir apparent. So they'll look at Craig and say, Craig's a high performer. Let's figure out what Craig needs rather than creating this profile of what that position really takes. So they basically, they build a pipeline of sort, but it's really just individual specific. Right. Do you see that? And is that a good approach? What's the holes in that? Yeah, um, I do see it. I, I would say that what's really important is to understand the core competencies that are required for the position. Mm. Yes. And, and once you understand those, then you can take a look at that, that heir apparent and, and see, you know, are there, are there gaps, number one? Number two, can they be filled in the time frame that is needed? Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got somebody that's uh, retiring in 18 months and Craig has several gaps that are going to take, you know, three or four years to fill, well, that's, you're setting him up for failure. So why not, in that case, look on the outside? Or somebody who could then mentor Craig. And, and finance is a great example of that. You know, you've got, you may have a CFO and then you might have some directors or managers. And that individual that has been identified as a potential successor to the CFO may need to get experience in things like mergers and acquisitions, right? <laughs> or, you know, um, treasury compliance, whatever it is. Some of those things can be filled in a short period of time, but others can't. Right. Right. It may be that you can find external resources to help Craig fill those those knowledge gaps. Like a fractional CFO or something like that? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in smaller companies. There's there's also... Uh, back at Intel, they had a two-in-the-box kind of mentality where they would have two people in a given role because they realized that no one person could really do everything well. One person needed to be more technical. One person needed to be more on the leadership side. And so I guess there's also the, the possibility that you have a blended leadership as you, as you look at that pool of people mm-hmm. coming up. Yeah. You say, maybe we can cover this with multiple people, not necessarily in one role, but to, to, that's, right. that, that gets into, um, you know, organizational design. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And redefining, um, the organization. Um, I would, I would really recommend that people, when they do that, look at their business plan first mm-hmm. and you know, what, what are we going to, need to look like three or three to five years out. Right. Right. Um, I, what I do see though, is that kind of force fit of we've got this person (laughs) there, um, you know, 
they're a good egg. They, they've been with us a long time, but they've kind of maxed out in this area. Where can we put them? Where, where can we transfer them that um, will be a better fit? Uh, it, that works about 50% of the time. Hmm. Do they ask the person whether they want to first? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. All right. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. So, so, Beth, I'm a big fan of elephants in the room. Because <laughs> I feel like often I'm the guy with the spotlight going, does, does, does anybody see this elephant? <laughs> so the one I'm thinking of is when you talk about I, you know, what are the core traits for this role or this leader, mm-hmm. Often that is coming from the leader in that position who may have their own gaps. And they're basically creating a pipeline of, at some level, some level of ineffective leadership. Hmm. Yeah, so that, that's why you get back to the, the core competencies and really map the core competencies to, to each position because otherwise you you could have that Peter principle mm-hmm. of elevating somebody up to, to a, a place where they're incompetent. Um, but if you're really clear about what the competencies are for that position and have those conversations with the individual that um, may not be the potential for, the, uh, for succession, succession then, then they understand how they're being measured mm that it's clear to them um, that it's got to be consistent though. Yeah. Well, I guess one of the things that I look at is if you're, if you're defining those core competencies, it would probably be in conjunction with the person who's in the seat, but probably the person who is one or, and or two levels above that just to make sure that there's perspective because oftentimes the person in the seat really doesn't have the perspective of what, what really needs to be done there. Yeah, so core competency models generally are, are developed at a very high level. Um, and, um, you know, talent management would be involved along with the, the C-suite. And they need to, generally there's, there's kind of three types of competencies. One are, one's the competencies that are um, aligned with company's values. Mm-hmm. What are those behaviors that support the values of the company. Right. Okay, so those, those are the, the competencies that everybody in the organization should have. Yep, right? it's culture fit. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then you've got um, leadership competencies. Right. What are those things that are important uh, to the organization for leaders to have? Mm-hmm. And then there are skills competencies. So if, you know, if you're in finance, there's, there's clearly competencies around that function. Gotcha. Well, I guess one of the questions that comes to me, Beth, and, and Craig and I have had this conversation so often, when I go out and speak to organizations or at conferences, the, most, the question I get most often is someone, and many people usually, saying, what do we do if the problem is our top leadership? <laughs> and, and I hear that a lot. So when I, that comes to mind is if, if there are leadership issues at the top 
and that same leadership group is creating the pipeline, right? Is there a risk that you're creating a pipeline of leaders with some blind spots and some gaps? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So, um, so this is where somebody like myself can come in and and facilitate and ask the hard questions of of the the leadership team uh, because you've got an outside party that can ask the stupid questions. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was my take as well. I think that often it takes an outsider, whatever that means, some sort of outsider to see it. I'm curious in your work of creating these core competencies, how often do you engage the team who are the people that reporting to these leaders Mm. to help identify core competencies or find some gaps that might be there already in that existing person? Yeah. um, Generally it happens at the the skills level where there's, you know, specific skills that the, the uh, senior leadership team is not aware of. Mm. Um, That's where it would happen. But the core, the core competencies, those are, those should be owned at the, the C-suite, um, as well as the leadership competencies. So, Beth, you've talked a lot about these core competencies. Can you share with us where and how do those fit in the overall hiring process for a business? Yeah, so uh, once you understand your core, core competencies, those things that are going to support your, your values and culture, then you need to identify the behaviors that support those. Those behaviors then can be part of your behavioral interviewing. Mm. So you've got specific questions that you ask every person that, that comes in for an interview to determine whether or not their behaviors align with your values. Oh, so good. Yeah. And then, and then from a, a performance management system, um, you incorporate those core competencies in the performance management process as well. Okay. Yeah. So it's not, it's what, not just about the succession planning process. <laughs> right. But it's, it's, a, it's, it's a really um, solid tool that most small businesses do not use and don't even understand. <laughs> so, well, so, that's perfect. A, a perfect lead-in because my file, the final, maybe the final question is, what do you say to companies? Because I hear this a lot. They'll say, that's for bigger companies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, and I, a lot of this, I would hear the, that same answer. That's for bigger companies. Um, I would then say, well, okay, um, how is your hiring process? How, how good is your hiring process? What, when was the last time you hired somebody and two, three months later, you were concerned that there was a, there was a wrong fit. Um, So it, if you start digging in to the, the data of an organization, you'll start finding that there are, are definitely issues related to, to the hiring process and um, the development process. Those well, are the, the two big areas that I see as, as gaps for small businesses as it relates to, to, to their talent. 
I would actually challenge that question, Jeff, and I would almost put it the other way and say, maybe it's because they have their talent acquisition in place that they became a bigger company. <laughs> that, that's possible, but I, I suspect that's rarely the case. Yeah. I think there's very few small businesses, and we have to define what that is, that put that in place early. Right. I think if we look at a lot of very successful larger companies, I think a lot of them would admit, yeah, we really didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, and I think sometimes it can be seen as the, um, the flavor of the day <laughs> by leaders. Oh, we need that. Oh, we got to have yeah. that. That's the nut. And then to your point earlier, Beth, it's this overhead thing. Yes. Because HR is, over, is viewed in overhead in most organizations. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and that's, it, the, the issue I run into is a time issue, that these small, medium-sized companies don't have the internal resources to execute all of this. One of the things I see, though, is that the entrepreneurial operating system and some systems similar to that make it pretty straightforward like their their people analyzer, the the people do, analyzer, they it, yes. Do they want it? Can they do it? Right? right. Very simple look at that, and it matches against the core values of the company as well. Right. So it's it's probably one of the simplest tools that I've seen. Something that that companies can get involved with early on. Yeah. And carry them into a fairly decent sized company. Yeah, um, I think that you know the EOS system is great. I've got mm -hmm. a, a lot of of companies I work with that that. Um, practice EOS. But I will say that the, the people side of it is not as strong as what I preach. Um, sure. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, but it is a but good it's way a to, it's a good way to kind of get into uh, the rhythm yeah. of having conversations. I, I personally don't like the five by five conversation. I think it's, um, it's not as robust as it should be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, yes, it's a good starting place. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Well, one of the things, my takeaway in this, and at the risk of bringing in my former career as a lawyer into this, <laughs> but it applies in so many places. And, and most lawyers all know this because I guess we're, we're all freaks. But there's not much we remember from law school, but there's one case almost everybody remembers, and we don't remember the name of the case, but it was a famous Supreme Court case about pornography. And it's famous because in that case, the court concluded that when it talked about pornography, we don't have a test for it, quote, we'll know it when we see it. <laughs> and I think that's how a lot of organizations look at leadership and development and hiring and talent is, we'll know it when we see it. Yeah. I'm going to go with my gut. Right. I got a feel for this. And right. time over time, the data says, yeah, no, you really don't. <laughs> yeah, and 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 even if they do go with their gut and it, and it works, the the problem is is the perception of other employees. That's that if point. if there's not a consistent process, you're going to alienate some some employees yeah. if they don't understand how why they're not in the high potential pool, right. or you know why they're not getting developed in a, in a certain area. Yeah. Um, if, if these things aren't consistent across the organization, uh, you can have problems. Yeah, I can see how that can come across as being um, 
you know, whether it's, whether it's race or gender or things like that, that, you know, people are saying, Hey, you know, there's preference. Right. Exactly. Inequity. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to be based on anything that I'm aware of. Right. 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 And I'll, t- I'll tell you one of the things that I often find myself doing with inside companies is training managers on how to have these conversations. Yes. <laughs> so important. Yeah. The, the, the performance feedback conversation, the career conversation, all of these um, managers aren't trained in these. At least, at least not smaller companies. Uh-huh. You know, you, if you get into a Fortune 500 company, they've got, you know, leadership development programs and, and you know, they're, they're all taught the same process, et cetera. But in, in smaller companies, they don't. And a lot of them, a lot of these managers have grown up in the company. You know, they started as, as an individual contributor and, and um, they were identified as a high performer and uh, moved into a, a leadership position, sometimes doing very well and sometimes not. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is just a lot of these skills that they were never taught, like delegation, you know, hanging right. on to, you know, micromanaging um, and accountability and team building and all of those that, that they just were never taught. Right. Absolutely. Beth, this has been fantastic. I love being challenged and hearing new ideas and new insights. And I gained some new research today. It's really helpful for me. And I, I love the idea of the pipeline and being more intentional and purposeful about it. Yep. Yep. So I'm grateful for all you've shared. We always give our guests an opportunity if they have something in particular, they want to promote or highlight for our listeners. What would that be for you? Well, you mentioned um, the question, are you talent obsessed? I actually have an uh, ebook and hard copy book out on Amazon. Awesome. Called, Are You Talent Obsessed? It's a quick read. It's one of those, um, if, you're, if you're flying in an airplane anytime soon, you could read it very quickly. Uh, but it, it gives you some insight on, on how to be looking at and um, managing talent hmm. within your organization. Awesome. So we always wrap up with a couple questions for our guests. And one of the questions for you is, so what's that one book that when it comes to leadership, you would recommend to our listeners? Well, I recently read a book called Indistractable. Excellent book. It's really about um, the fact that our lives um, revolve around our PDAs and how much time we are um, wasting <laughs> and, and not just wasting, but um, how it impacts our, our personal lives mm. and our personal relationships. So it's, it, it's an excellent book. Tips. I mean, there's some strategies in there on, you know, how to make sure you're not spending so much time on your phone. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. Right. Um, yeah. There's, I, I came home, I actually heard him speak at an um, Inc. 5000 event last mm-hmm. fall. And he, um, and so I got the book. And one of the things he recommended was, um, for instance, changing your screen, your I, iPhone or Android screen, so that only the important things are on the first screen. Mm. So any of the social media and the, right. the photos and all that. So it, it's stuff like that that's really simple, but it's, impactful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we love impact. So the second question, Beth, is, you know, we've all been experienced, learned, been given 
different levels of wisdom and ideas about leadership. I'm sure you can go on for hours, but what's that one big nugget of wisdom you would offer our listeners who want to have more impact as a leader? Well, I would say um, during these times of COVID that leaders need to take care of themselves first mm. before they try to help their employees. Um, I've been working with a lot of leaders lately and we're all exhausted. <laughs> and um, you, yeah. you can't really help others when you're exhausted. It's, it's kind of like um, the lifeguard who is up on the chair and he, you know, he was out till midnight the night before. Right. Well, is he really going to be able to save somebody at, at you know, nine in the morning? I don't know. Um, so, you, you, you know, you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, and then take care of others. And, and there's all different ways of doing that. I, th I think we all know that, you know, things like exercise and uh, meditation and practicing gratitude, all of those things can help. It's find, spend some time with yourself. <laughs> so good. I love that. So how do people reach you, Beth? What's the best way for them to learn more and connect with you if they want to? Uh, two ways. One is through LinkedIn. Uh, Beth Arm Connect Miller. There's only one of me out there. Can you spell your middle name, please? Yeah, it's A-R-M-K-N-E-C-H-T. Okay. And then, uh, then my website is uh, www.executive-velocity.com. Excellent. Wonderful, Beth. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for sharing. And thank for being a part of helping other leaders have more impact. Yes. Well, thank you for inviting me. I've enjoyed it. Great. Glad to have you. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartevera Tribe. The Cartevera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartevera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cartevera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cartavera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission, that through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.